And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch. From growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. Hey, what's going on, man? Oh, just uh, trying to figure out the real truth about what's going on in the world of touring musicians and or touring groups, bands, the whole thing. It's uh, It's gotten kind of sticky for a lot of people I talk to. So I thought we would bring some people in that are on the truly on the ground level and uh, I thought we could do a little improv for for the next 30, 40 minutes and figure out uh, what's really going on in the world of. Can, can we do one of those like uh, little concerts? Like we each play an instrument and we, we put it all together here. Well, and, and our <laughs> listeners can't see us, but one of our guests today is Zach Flynn, the bass player of Eminence Ensemble. And Zach has about 90 different types of bass instruments <laughs> behind him. I got all the bass. Uh, and like, yeah, so I see that. And it, it, without further ado, we can introduce Zach Flynn, the, the bass player of Eminence Ensemble. Hi, Zach. Howdy. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. And uh, we have we have another uh, guest with us today who is not a first time caller, Jason Morris, who was previously on a back employee background screening episode with us. And Jason is take his new career as as a rock band manager. Yes, I am. Welcome back, Jason. <laughs> I'm li- I'm living the dream, going from background screening to rock and roll. It's fun. <laughs> Yeah, just don't screen the rock stars in most cases. Um, (laughs) So before we get started here, and, you know, I think that everyone's aware of, uh, well, everyone's tired of talking about coronavirus and COVID-19, but the after effects are a reality for all of us. And uh, we've had episodes recently where we talked about the winners and the losers, because anytime you have severe economic changes, there are always people that end up on the plus and minus of that. Unfortunately for our guests today, live music has been one of the things that has taken the biggest gut punch per se. And, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Our goal here on Startup Hustle is to bring the real truth about entrepreneurship, startups, and all forms of commerce. And we do believe that bands are startups. So, um, Zach, I'm going to turn the mic over to you. Let's get a little backstory about about the band. And for those of you listening, you know, I like it when you are interactive. So we don't have to spell this, just go down to the show notes and click on one of the eminence ensemble links, check them out on social media, make sure to follow them. But I'm going to turn the mic over to Zach Flynn and give us a little bit of the backstory of the band and just the road coming, how it all, everything that occurred coming up to our, our current situation. Yeah, sure. Um, so Eminence, Eminence Ensemble is, uh, you know, 
mostly Colorado based band. We've been we've been touring the whole country for five or six years now. Um, but we we all got our start here in Colorado. We're from Colorado. Um, I live in Boulder County side, and most of the guys are in Denver at this point. Um, but we grew up together. Four of us grew up. Uh, went to high school high school together. My guitar player was my neighbor growing up, so he was actually like you know my best friend. My parents still hang out with his parents, that kind of thing. Um, he was like kind of my brother growing up, and we just kind of cultivated this. We started playing music together when we were 13, 14, and uh, we started just kind of hanging out a lot and writing music together. And it ultimately turned into us going to to college together. We all went to CU here in Boulder, and uh, started just playing house parties, that kind of thing in college. And it turned into more playing venues. And uh, eventually we started touring on the, around the country. Um, at this point, I played in almost every state and uh, gotten to see uh, a lot of the cool stuff that I wouldn't have you know, otherwise seen if it wasn't through music and through the band. Um, uh, I, I believe I've seen you live. I think it was on New Year's Eve in 2017 uh in, in denver yeah. yeah 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 in front well, of the full fun. house yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah that was that was, a, that was a, yeah that was fun and now you guys are just really starting to pick up some steam you had a a show booked at, at the ever so famous red rocks amphitheater which got canceled right yeah we were supposed to open for lotus uh which is a big influence of mine and uh that would have been our our debut show for red rocks um which is a downer you know we've all been dreaming of that day since we were 15 um but you know it is what it is um that was one of i think 17 18 shows we we had to cancel we we were literally about to get in the van and go on a you know i think five week four week tour or something like that um when all when everything got shut down uh in in mid-march so we had 17 shows just canceled just rug pulled out from under us and then also uh three different weddings we were supposed to be playing this summer just got canceled rug pulled out same thing uh so now we're all just kind of trying to pick up the pieces and uh that you know to be honest it's given me a lot of time to to kind of sit back and get a new perspective on on the music i've been writing a lot i've been practicing a lot more than you know i just have a lot of free time right now so trying to trying to fill it up with uh, as much practice and you know productivity as i can but for the most part it's uh i wish i was on the road yeah, it's it's crazy we yeah. just uh we just signed on with a new agent uh at madison house who you know is one of their top agents got us a great tour routed uh in april leading up to it was our road to red rocks tour it was you know really exciting the guys were super pumped about it and then you know, as it's leading up and the news is getting worse and worse on COVID, I'm like, guys, you know, this probably isn't going to happen. Um, and, and it's the industry's been hit harder than any other industry that I'm involved with, for sure, uh, either from an investment standpoint or a consulting standpoint. Um, it's it's literally dead in the water. Um, and, and there's, you know, nobody knows when it's going to come back because so much emotion is involved in somebody deciding that they want to be in a room with X amount of people. Um, so it's, you know, it definitely has hit harder than, than most. Um, and I think the recovery is going to take longer than most, which is unfortunate right now. It, it seems like we might start to see some 
really small venues or outdoor venues or things like that really soon, you know, and, yeah. and maybe they're not the kind of venues you guys would normally do, but it could be like a small restaurant that has live music, right? Like, I mean, it seems like that is coming back really soon, maybe. It is, it is. And it, the problem is, is how do you, how do you make money at that? Or how do you break even at that? Cause you know, nobody really is concerned about making money at, at this point when you're touring at the size, but um, you know, to, to even be able to fund parts of the tour, I do think, you know, I've seen some unbelievable technologies uh, be created in the last couple of months that, that are, people are really embracing uh, that will bring a new live music experience. Um, and then other uh, different types of, uh, venues and creations like this whole drive-in movie uh, theater concept, which I think is awesome. Um, so there, I think you're going to see a lot of cool new things come out of this, but you're going to see a lot of eggs broken while that omelet's being made along the way, unfortunately. So I, I have a question. Uh, you mentioned mid-March, and all of a sudden we're realizing that we're going to have to adjust our businesses. It doesn't matter who you are, your business, our business, everyone, we all adjust, we're forced to adjust. And one of the first things we started doing at Full Scale, and once again, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by FullScale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. So I was in the Philippines in the middle of March and sitting here going, oh shit, I got to make a whole bunch of contingency plans. And we had about eight of them. And, you know, not having any idea what was going to occur in the future is why you make so many different contingency plans. Did you, how, how did you, either Jason or Zach, both from a management or a band member perspective, when you start realizing, oh shit, this is happening, were, did you make different contingency plans and what did some of that potentially include? Uh, Zach, you want to go first? You want me to? Uh, you got it. So, I mean, from a, so in my world, in the world of business and background screening, you know, business continuity planning has been a big part of my life for the last 20 years. I mean, after 9-11, you know, we had to have policies and, and, uh, and even certifications that we can keep our businesses running because our clients depended on us. We we're a very crucial part of the overall hiring process. Um, and even with a business where you've got manuals and booklets and certifications that business will continue if something happens, couldn't have written this script. I mean, that, that whole thing was just tossed in the garbage. I mean, it's a perfect storm from the, from the band standpoint, I'm seeing this with, with pretty much every band. Um, it's just the pause button has literally been hit. You take them off the road, you, you tell them to write as much music and be inspired as much as they possibly can. You can dabble in some of the online things that are happening right now. And we've, we're doing that. We're doing a series every Friday night where we're playing a concert and we're doing some live stuff and some pretty cool stuff. But, you know, nobody really knows what's going to resonate, and what's going to work. So it's almost like trying to recreate the whole industry within a month. Um, so there really is no BCP for, for the music business. There really isn't. Um, you need so many different moving parts to work in sync. You need agents to book you, venues to be open. Uh, venues to have enough capital to stay open. I mean, that's another big problem that we can cover as far as access to capital in this business, which is, you know, nothing. Um, so there's a lot of things that could go wrong. And I, I just kind of think the best approach is just you hit pause and you wait. What, what's your take on that, Zach? I mean, yeah, we're in a, we're in kind of a unique industry in that, you know, that 
like Jason said, we're we're kind of everyone is starting from the ground up right now, you know. And it's at at some point it's kind of an equilibrium. Um, you you can go on you know whatever Facebook or Instagram Live every Friday night and see you know thirty bands, but they're all playing you know playing past shows, whatever. They might have a thousand views max, and that's you know that's the that's the biggest band. So it's like. For us, it's it's almost an opportunity where if we can, you know, find our way into that, uh, the niche to kind of get ourselves in front of more people without leaving our houses, it could be a benefit to us. But yeah, I mean, it, the the one interesting thing too is now you want a bunch of guys that are have spent their lives playing music to now be compliance experts on state versus federal COVID laws. I mean, yeah, so I might be able to bring these guys to Pennsylvania to play a show this summer at some festival, but. And, and, and I know the laws are changing every single day, but there are laws in some states where you can't come from one state to another and spend time in that state. So now we got to get these guys to be experts in state versus federal compliance law. Like it's just, it's just not, it's not built for this business, the, this whole thing. Well, it, it seems like the online monetization of this, like you said, the Friday night concerts is a, a whole new thing. And maybe someday, you know, people figure out how to monetize that, but, to me, it feels like, you know, the experience of live music is because it's live music. Otherwise, you could just go to YouTube and watch a music video, right? Absolutely, right. And I think that's the struggle or, you know, watch one of your concerts from the past or whatever. It, it's like, to me, live music is the experience of live music and just watching a video of it isn't the same thing. I, I, I totally agree. I have, our, our best friends, you know, we see, you know, probably 50 shows a year with them and you know, they are watching a lot of the stuff on Friday and Saturday nights, like widespread panic and great, you know, dead and company, all that kind of stuff. I've watched a little bit of it, but I've got fatigued from some of the pre-recorded stuff. And I don't think, I think that a lot of people do. I think the experience of seeing somebody stream live is completely different. Um, you know, they can be more edgy. You're seeing something new. You're seeing them talk about current events and, you know, Eminence has been doing a little bit of that, which has been awesome. Um, but a lot of bands, I think, are going to see more success with the live streaming rather than the recorded old stuff. Um, in so, my you, so, so when you guys live stream, do you guys all get together in one place and do it, or are you trying to do it where you're all separated? So, then, go ahead, talk about the text of that, Zach. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. So last uh, last weekend, we were able for the first time they they lifted some of the regulations a little bit to the point where we could have. I think 10 of us in a room or something. So we all went to, down to uh, to an art gallery in town called New Conscious that has, uh, you know, a stage and, and speakers and everything. Um, and we just set up and we had a, a video crew, four guys with cameras. And uh, it's basically, yeah, just us playing to an empty room with some guys with cameras. I mean, it feels a lot more like playing a concert. At least there's people there listening, you know, but um, it's it's a stretch from what it used to be. <laughs> For sure. So I, I've been I've been tracking the situation, and a, a good friend of mine was is the sound man for Iron Maiden when they actually go out on tour. Of all interesting bands, guy I went to high school with, and you know, it, while it theoretically seems like you should and could be able to play a concert with people that are in like through Zoom or something like that, it's actually very difficult because just tiny bits of latency throw the whole thing off goes, goes and, a long way yeah and i think people don't realize that what a millisecond what a difference a millisecond makes when it comes to a song because it can sound it's off and so right. many people 
And so many people that are musicians are so particular about what they put out on the internet or through a speaker or anywhere that they don't want to put garbage out. And it, you know, you, there's been a lot of technical challenges. You talk about that one-off concert um, or the, excuse me, the, the live show online. And the, it seems as if the big company, AEG, Live Nation, the huge promoters, they feel that a lot of those are kind of one-off instances and that's not going to be a recurring theme. So if you can, you know, you can maybe have a chance to have a live stream, generate some revenue, but you're used to playing, like how many shows did you guys play in 2019, Zach or Jason? Uh, like 7,500. Yeah. A lot, right. Or a lot. Yeah. So so replacing that revenue is a bit of a challenge. And I think that the music industry had once been so heavy on, they kind of trended away in the era of the CD. They were labels and bands were making a ton of money off selling music. And then it kind of shifted back to live performance, unless you have a zillion streams of on Spotify and whatever. So, the, I mean, with the lifeblood of a, of a business being its cash flow. Do you think most bands are going to be able to adapt or do you think that we're going to come out of this with a completely different look for who's performing or who actually is still creating music for live audiences? A lot of people are going to get really hurt. A lot of these small businesses are going to unfortunately close. And, and one of the main reasons is, and, 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 Matt, and Matt, you guys know this better than anybody, is access to capital. Nobody's investing in bands or the music business. I mean, and they don't, and, and even the, the smaller venues. So the places like Live Nation, AEG venues, like they'll be fine. They'll figure it out, they'll consolidate, somebody will buy pieces of it, they'll, they'll survive. But the local bars that hold 300 people, 400 people um, are really struggling right now. And, and without access to capital, they're gonna close, which is our, our avenue to grow a band. So what's gonna happen in that regard? Um, it's, it's all very scary. Um, from that standpoint. And I think that a lot of people are going to unfortunately get hurt along the way. Now, with that, something new will be created. You know, you know, when you break those eggs, you know, awesome stuff will be created over the next 10 years because of this. But unfortunately, the people that get hurt is just, it's, it's going to be insane. Now, Matt, you had mentioned that obviously the draw of live music is live. It's people being there um, last time I went to a show with you, it was wall-to-wall -wall people. The big issue that that venues and promoters are having right now is no one wants to insure these events. So you could have a willing venue, you could have a willing band, and maybe even willing participants. But in, in most cases, you talk about the different rules, laws, and regulations. Like some places, you're not you're not having a show without that. Uh, kind of insurance. And I think it was Skrillex a few years ago that had someone dive off of a stage and into an audience member, they got hurt. The show was uninsured. And as the, and as an artist, well, his band or organization ended up paying, footing the bill on that. So what, what needs to occur to get around that? It, I, I don't think people understand how many different things need to occur for a live show with even a 300 people at it to occur. But without that insurance piece is, uh, I mean, isn't, isn't that, is that a necessity at everywhere, everywhere you play? Typically the venues will have uh, the insurance and we'll either have a rider as part of their insurance um, or, or, or they'll add, or we'll add them as additional insured. 
Um, but typically for the smaller venues, they're already carrying the insurance. Um, but you brought up a great point. It's, it's, it's risk mitigation and, and, and assumption of risk. Like what venues, bands, and insurance companies are going to assume that risk? And I don't think anybody knows the answer to that question right now. Um, I know from a financial standpoint, a lot of the venues and even the bigger venues, they were offering bands guarantees. So if a larger band, you know, like Humphreys McGee or a smaller band like Eminence Ensemble was maybe playing at a venue, you know, we would have a guaranteed amount of money walking in the door to play plus some, you know, some, some of the ticket sales. Um, now these places can't afford to offer you credit. And, and prepay you or give you a guarantee because they don't know who's going to show up. So everything's going to be door deals for a while, which means you can't plan. You know, you can't plan financially. You have no idea who's going to show up, how much money you're going to make, what you need to, to break even probably for six to nine months into, into the program. And then it's going to change constantly because people are going to have their emotions are going to change along the way. So what they're willing to do, on month one versus month six is going to change considerably. So I think a lot of that's really up in the air. So it's not only the financial risk that they're going to take, but it's also the the um, the, the risk of you know people getting hurt or something happening and not being able to be insured for it. Well, the 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 risk of the of the venue is is similar to the concerns we have as the risk of an employer, right? Like you know if. If I've got a couple hundred employees and one of them comes to work and gets sick from their coworker because their coworker doesn't wash his hands after he goes to the bathroom and clearly also doesn't after he uses the coffee pot and the refrigerator and everything else now and gets somebody sick, am I liable because that guy is a jackass? You know, like it's it's just like the same issue of somebody diving off the stage, except now I'm worried about an invisible disease that I can't even see or really control. It's it's really crazy. Yeah, there's gonna need to be a considerable amount of tort reform, I think, when it comes to this, because you know, the, the, if they don't do any sort of tort reform, then the the plaintiffs' counsel is just gonna be like sharks circling in the water, waiting to sue whoever they can. Oh yeah. yeah, grandma was 88. She died of coronavirus. She was probably gonna die anyway soon. You know, poor grandma. But because she died of coronavirus, I'm we're gonna sue you for five million dollars. Right. So we don't need to. Was, see was, was, was Grandma at the rock show? No. <laughs> oh, maybe. I mean, maybe she was a cool grandma. I mean, because if I'm 88 and I go to a rock show and that's how I go out, I'm cool with that. Yeah. So go ahead and document yeah. that. Well, and I, I and I, I have thought, a question. Go ahead, Matt. I, I was going to say. I mean, I thought some people had the goal of getting a disease when they went to a rock concert. Typically. I, I don't know what kind of shows you've been going to. Dude. Yeah. Now I have a question for Zach. So Zach, a big part of bands when they're coming up and, and the path that you're on is the interaction that you get with the fans, the people that come to your show. Sometimes you have VIPs from a, you know, that that's how I know a lot of people in music because when I worked for Roland, if I wanted to go to a show, I would request an after show VIP. I would almost always get it. Um, just cause, you know, you see industry friends, people that is not going to be possible for a long time. Cause there is close contact. You have people in green rooms, lots of handshaking, pretty much the antithesis of social distancing is uh, how do you feel as a musician, like inserting yourself into these situations? Is that like, cause we're all going, Hey, we want live music, but how, how do musicians feel? Are they like, shit, I don't even want to get near this or. 
you want sure, to take I mean, a chance. And even even like with this live show we just did at New Conscious, it was like we did an interview in the middle, you know, and I realized halfway through the interview, we're all sitting on a couch together that that was the most contact I've had with anyone in eight weeks, you know. Um, so it's who's to say, really, it's it's going to keep changing for right now, like the only uh, the only real contact we've had with fans is, you know, the live stream where all everybody in the band is on the live stream, you know, commenting and, and talking and like it's been kind of cool to see who comes out and who comments and there's a little bit of like social interaction there, but that's, that's about it. You know, D does the concept of, of that live physical contact and everything is that, does, is that feel spooky? I mean, is that something you're like, shit, I don't, I, I don't want to be around it. I mean, in a way it does. If I'm, if, you know, the idea of going on the road right now and, you know, I'm seeing a bunch of people who have been isolated in every city. Like, am, am I, you know, I'm the, the determining factor of you getting sick. Maybe it's kind of, it is, it is spooky, you know, but that's going to be in every industry. I feel like, you know? Well, I think there are definitely people that are that way. Like we talk about as a business, our employees going back to work. I've got certain employees that are that way. They're like, ah, I just don't feel comfortable leaving my, you know, little protective bubble. Right, it's a certain part of the population that way, and I mean, yeah, that's going to be a long that's time me. before people are out of that bubble. You know, like we're, I, we're really, we're really looking at not playing shows, you know, till maybe twenty twenty one. But I went, like, I went to a restaurant for the first time since March uh, the other day, and the restaurant said they had been crazy busy. They said since they reopened their doors, it'd been like ten days. They said they've been insanely busy every single day, and as a matter of fact they can't even get enough waiters or waitresses to work. Like the waiters and the waitresses don't want to work because unemployment is too high and, or they're scared both. And, but they're busy, which is a good sign for the economy and, and stuff rebounding. I, I feel like this stuff will rebound, but to that point, like you got employees that are scared to come back to work to service the customers too. So you got both of it. Right. Yeah. I think it plays into what I said before with the emotion. You can't, I mean, the study of anything in the economy is the study of the emotion of people reacting to something. And yeah. there's just no textbook for this. I don't know. Like, I think I would think that after a vaccine is out, people will be feel that they're, you know, invulnerable to anything and they're just going to go out. But I think it also in the back of their minds, they're going to say, well, what about the next COVID? I don't want to catch that. So maybe I don't want to go out. So, you know, we're going to create a whole, a whole generation of agoraphobics that we got to get around yeah. fast for sure. And I'm one of them. Like I don't. I mean, I have my you know trepidations about leaving the house and and where I go and who I'm hanging out with and who I let my kids hang out with and who their kid friends are hanging out with. Like you're thinking about those things constantly. You know, I would think that very soon live music could at least be outdoors. It's like at a park, and you see the little circles on the grass, and like everybody right. has a little picnic on the grass or whatever, right? But you know, you have this big park and everybody's there and families can hang out together and enjoy live music good, good luck getting three thousand drunk people to stay in their fucking circle right, right? Yeah. All I, have to say. Yeah. I mean and that's part of it and it's like it doesn't matter where you go like you can go to a show with 200 people or twenty thousand people there's idiots there's always people that they just they don't think you know and they or they don't believe that that this kind of stuff is important or whatever you know whatever your opinion is it's fine but you know, you get these, you, you could have, a, and, and everyone's afraid of the super spreader, 
uh that's right. that's the main thing so like yeah i'm not really sure how how that is going to get resolved i think that another thing with live music it's it's that fun it's that interaction i think that all of us have been on a ga floor wall to wall going god i wish i had more space but would it feel the same is it going to be the same if like we're all like an arm's length apart and uh you know i'm actually curious zach but there's a certain energy and excitement that comes with playing a packed venue, regardless of its size. Is it going to feel weird for musicians to be playing to what feels like a quarter full house? I mean, sure. Yeah. I, I don't know how it couldn't. <laughs> yeah. To be honest with you. I watch these um, guys play and, and, and I watch a lot of bands play, but these guys, they, they feed off the audience. I mean, they're up there. They right. see the people out there. I'm afraid the music, the live music could be very pedestrian because it's just, they're not getting on that energy, you know, from everybody. Now they'll figure that out eventually too, but. I mean, especially in thing with sports. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, well, how, if they start baseball again, or imagine, you know, the chiefs playing the Browns and they're in Arrowhead, which is known for being the loudest stadium in the NFL and the whisper quiet sound of that third and short in the fourth quarter where it really mattered. And you're like, I mean, it, it'll honestly, it'll be weird because we might actually hear the many, many things that go on on the field yeah. that we normally don't hear. Like, I mean, for, for real, they will probably have to turn off a lot of mics because I don't think people understand uh -huh. the, the the dirty, nasty things that competitive athletes say to each other regularly. But, and the same thing with baseball, you know, the Korean uh, baseball league opened. And I don't know if you've seen this, but they literally have cardboard cutouts <laughs> in the seats. So it looks like people and it looks like, like a Royal game. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that would be empty seats. I, I talked to Joel Goldberg of the Royals. I was like, well, the Royals are usually, there's no one there. So they're, they have built in social distance. <laughs> Um, Cleveland might not be far behind no, there, Morris. So don't we, laugh too much. We, yeah. we have rabid yeah. fans here in Cleveland. We we get the we get the place pretty filled up. Uh, all right, so Zach, um, have you? What's something that you and the band have done different or considered taking a chance on that? Or well, give us a plus and a minus. You, I am sure you talked about a lot of different things. What's something different that you're doing now, and what's something that may have come up and you were like, "Ah, uh, yeah, we're not doing that." Um, yeah, honestly, the uh, the live streams. What's what's tough to get my guys doing is trying to get you know, just to go live and you know talk about whatever, talk about your gear, or talk just getting just getting guys to get on and and you know, do their kind of window into their personal life has been kind of a struggle and i get it because you know we're all stuck at home and we're all in our pajamas all day but it's like um i think i think what's really sticking though these live streams where we're getting a little bit of money we're getting some donations on the top every friday when we do this live stream we've got going uh friday night lights is what we're calling it where we're just taking a, an old show and, re and restreaming it and we're all talking on the stream and uh we have a donations button up and I honestly, that it's been working. It's not the best case scenario, but it's some, it's, you know, it's moving the needle a little bit. So. Do you think that the, I I've seen other bands and other people doing more of what I'll call the, the personal fan experience. Some people are teaching lessons. Some people are just doing like kind of hang out and chill or whatever, sure. which I think is, is pretty, is pretty interesting and neat for a lot of fans. Cause 
I think I've been spoiled over the last 10 years with being able to meet and know some of the people that I, I admire musically, but not everybody gets that chance. Do you think that, do you think that that's enough to keep many musicians going? Um, no, I, I think it's enough to keep, um, you know, people who have already built a name for themselves going a little bit. Um, you, you, you talked about the lessons thing, like the live lessons masters where you can go on and see, you know, Jake Sinager, you can go take a guitar lesson with Jake Sinager. And, and that's great. But is it really going to help me for, you know, I don't have as much, um, you know, popularity. Is, is it really going to help me if I go on there and, you know, my, my competition is Ryan Stasek? Um, I don't think sure. so. And I think for a lot of the bands that are my age, that's kind of, that's the problem. Um, is it's kind of, you know, keeping all of us separated or keeping all of us at bay, you know? I think a, a lot of it too is where the band is in their evolution. You know, if you're a band that you've got infrastructure and 30 employees and, and storage fees and lights and, you know, all these capital expenditures that you're constantly making, um, or a small band like us where we're just, again, we can hit pause and not spend any money and not make any money, but not really put ourselves, you know, too deep in. Uh, I, a lot of it depends on where you are in that evolution of your band. Some of these bands that we're starting to see that were, you know, headliners or subheadliners, you know, they're starting to make good money. They've all bought houses, you know, and now they got nothing. So it's almost like the bigger you are, the harder it's going to be on you. They get, yeah, that was, they get I was used to those uh, game day checks. Yeah. True. I was going to give a follow up there. So is it best? Is it are you in a better situation if you're light and lean right now, as opposed to having now some of those bigger bands and they've probably stockpiled some cash, they may have had advances and stuff like that, that come months, if not years in advance, I look at like, Rage Against the Machine who hadn't toured in God knows how long. And they had a massive tour and they moved it back a year, you know, or is that, is that a huge financial hit for them or are they sitting back and waiting? I kind of think it's, you know, a lot, I don't know how those contracts look. So there's gotta be some sort of force majeure in there for the venue or promoter to get their advances back because nothing's guaranteed in a year either. So I don't know how that works. Uh, I'd be interested to find out. Um, even for the bands that have done very well and made a lot of money over the years, like, how many months ca of, of cash reserves do they have to keep surviving through that? I mean, most businesses can survive, I don't know, a couple of months, but not a cup, not a year. So I don't know. It, it'd be very interesting to see how the modeling on the financial aspect of it works, you know, post COVID. So I, now Zach, you haven't had a chance to play mixtape the game yet. Now Jason's a veteran, so you're going to have to watch out for him, but in in most episodes, when we have enough participants here on Startup Hustle, we play Mixtape the Game. You can check it out at mixtapethegame.com. Download it on I the app on iOS or Android. So I have pulled a card from the Mixtape deck. I'm going to name a scenario, and we are all going to name a song that comes to mind. We will vote. You may not vote for yourself. I should mention that Jason Morris is a wait. Did we play mixtape? Actually, did we actually play? Yeah, we forgot. Oh, that's right. Cause it was just you and me. So scratch <laughs> that Morris has no experience. All right. 
All right. You're pumping gas late at night in a deserted part of town. You enjoy your own little dance party to this song. And by the way, I'm going to go first. I'm going to choose The Road by Eminence Ensemble. <laughs> nice. Uh, Crazy Train by, by Ozzy Osbourne. Okay. Uh, only because it's the, the scene from Reality Bites popped into my mind, I'll say My Sharona. Okay. Watson. What was the question? What was this, the thing again? I totally missed it. <laughs> oh my God. Fucking pay attention, Watson. My God. There's only people listening in 190 countries. All right. You're pumping gas late at night in a deserted part of town. You enjoy your own little dance party to this song. Uh, it's got to be Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen. Oh, my God. Thank God it was private, right? <laughs> yeah. Are you, don't you, are you, didn't you lose a bet on like episode 15 and you were supposed to sing that I did. entire song? I did sing it. Did you it. ever honor that bet? I did. Somebody recorded it too, but luckily it never made it anywhere. It was me. Actually, I recorded it. You sang it in karaoke at your, at your engagement party. In the Philippines. Right. Yeah. For those that want to see that video, it will be on Instagram shortly after this episode comes out. Okay, so we have. I also have, have videos for you. Don't forget. Uh, that's a good point. <laughs> I kept my shirt. I kept my shirt mainly on while I was singing "Live in La Vida Loca." Mostly, dude. Hey, look. What do we? What have we established in the past? You can't drink all day if you don't start early. Oh yeah. So that was that was my that was my that was my. Uh, my out there by the way to set, to set the the setting matt took me to his engagement party which was in the philippines and put me with about 35 future family members most of which didn't speak english but there were some old men there that were drinking some liquor at 10 a.m so i joined in next thing you know i'm singing ricky martin songs <laughs> trying to keep my shirt on so anyway Okay, so DeCourcy has The Road by Eminence Ensemble, Zach Flynn, Crazy Train, Morris with My Sharona, and Watson with Carly Rae Jepsen's Call Me Maybe. I kind of got to vote for Watson here. That's my <laughs> vote. I'm, I'm going to vote for the, uh, the hit song by Eminence Ensemble, The Road. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. I can't. I gotta. I gotta pick my own song. So. <laughs> there you go. The road. <laughs> All right, Watson. Do you want to vote? Even though I'm pretty sure I've won. Yeah, I guess I'm gonna go with the road. <laughs> Woo! Man, I figured out how to win mixtape. You just have to have musicians on the show and then pick the songs that their band plays. Because sure. if they perfect, uh, yeah, I think that that was a good strategy. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna. So once again, with us today, Zach Flynn, the bass player of Eminence Ensemble and band manager Jason Morris. You can find them many different ways via the links and the show notes. That's the easiest way to get there. Um, I've seen these guys play. They're good. Check them out. Can I plug they rock. real quick? So, pardon? Can I plug something real quick? Yeah, do it. So we're doing this great contest. Uh, it was it, our, our marketing people came up with it, and, and we love it. We have a great song called Booty for Days, and it's a fun – I don't remember the whole history of the song, but it was a fun song, half funk, half rap, just a really fun song. 
So we're doing a contest that if on TikTok or Instagram, if you tag Booty for Days EE on a hashtag and do a little dance on Booty for Days, you can win $250 or all kinds of merchandise. I'm looking forward to Watson's. <laughs> the Booty for Days dance. All right, so we end episodes of Startup Hustle with what we call the Founders Freestyle. We're going to pass the mic around. You can really say about whatever you want. I will make a suggestion that perhaps we give advice to other musicians or people out there that are affected by the changes the music industry has embraced. So I will, uh, let me see, we will let Jason go first oh, and would, then pass it over to Zach and then Watson. I would say patience. Patience, patience, patience. I think things are going to come back. They're going to come back stronger than ever. There's going to be some cool new tech out there for the music business. And for the bands that are just itching to get out there, you don't have to be the first. Uh, you know, Just wait a little bit, see what happens, and uh, let's go at it hard when we can. I think we got most of that. Oh, did I All right, Zach, you're up. Yeah, so I guess I could give some advice to, you know, other musicians in my, uh, you know, similar state is that, you know, great art, great music comes from adversity and we're all facing adversity every day right now. Um, so just write some good songs out of it. I'm sure we're going to, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some some great hits coming out of quarantine. But uh, yeah, just stay strong. That's my advice. Master Watson. You know, you always hear the expression starving artist, and I, I feel like that expression might be more true now than ever. And uh, definitely feel bad for, you know, all the musicians and a lot of other kind of artists too that are dramatically hit by this. And as we talked earlier, it's definitely one of the one industries that has been hurt the most. And uh, um, I really enjoy live music. You know, we go to a lot of concerts uh, here locally, and I, I can't wait to get back out there and, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully see you guys next year too. So there's an acronym, H-O-D-L, HODL, hold on for dear life. And I think that when it comes to the music industry, if you can, if you can HODL, I think you're going to find a big resurgence in your live revenue. People are going to not want to feel cooped up. Uh, I mentioned before we started recording, seeing another musician that had just I'm friends with on Facebook had just played a drive-in show and had a feeling of gratitude. And it was like, this is so fucking amazing. I think that both from those on stage to those in the audience, there's going to be a different meaning for so much of this. And I think that uh, there's a, a level of pent up angst, creativity, need all of it. Uh, I'm not a very good musician, but I know several people that are and they love that outlet. It's going to be building up. I think you will be showered with that love. If you're a live music fan, find a way to support your favorite acts. Uh, find a way to support that small venue that's up the street because you have a lot of fun there and you call it a shithole when you're there. But if it's not there, you're going to miss it. And those are the, it's not, it's not Live Nation and AEG and your local arena that are struggling. It's that 400 seat club 
that's not owned by anybody that is you saw your next favorite band out that needs your support. And those are the ones that are struggling. So whether you're super into it or not, buy a live stream, do something, buy some merch, figure something out and just know that, that these guys are holding on for dear life and really, really excited about getting back in front of you. So sometimes that's, I think that's what needs to occur to, have a little survivorship so once again zach flynn jason morris eminence ensemble use the show notes click the links buy some stuff on their website join in on a live stream plan on seeing them at a show near you hopefully soon see you guys thank you thanks guys startup hustles brought to you by fullscale.io helping you build a software team quickly and affordably make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button then come find us on instagram see you next time